Welcome to our podcast. My name is Yesenia, and I'm here with Jessica and Irene. And we're basically going to be talking about Danielle Allen's Cuz or The Life of Times of Michael A. So, as we were reading this book, this book really related to the criminal justice system and how unfair it was. And as we were reading it, we all found like a common theme and like different themes that we personally liked because it went it related to our lives and some things that we were learning throughout the book as we were reading i think do you have any thoughts about it uh one of the major themes that i found was unawareness so there was like unawareness between all these characters so to start off michael's unawareness of his rights he gets arrested and he basically waives his miranda rights but he gets arrested when he's 15 and he basically confesses to the police officers without an adult present and then there's the unawareness of a mother karen she basically didn't know where her kids were half of the time. She didn't know what Ma- Michael was half of the time. And she wasn't aware that Nicholas and Rosalind were gangbanging. And then there was also like an awareness between the family, like of how the criminal justice system worked. They were a family that if you told the truth, they basically believed that you have to face the consequences of your actions. Oh, that's how I was raised too. Yeah. Like whatever happened, like we had to deal with... Um... Like, let's say I broke a vase or something, I had to deal with the consequences. Most likely, I had to pay for it. Yeah, they basically, they were raised that way. They thought that if you do something, then you have to face the consequences no matter what. Yeah. So, in a way, they just conformed to the system, and the sentence he received was fair because he committed the crime, right? Yeah, they basically just conformed because they didn't know, they were unaware of how to fight the system. And then another thing was, like, that the family was really unaware of Michael's love life who Brie really was and like the trouble she was in and the trouble she would bring to the family and to Michael. So what is another thing you guys thought of? Another major theme that I thought about was the deterrence of crime. Danielle even said that it was an unforgiving world. Michael thought he was going to get off easy because he had in the past and he wasn't aware that times were changing in the U.S. uh, when it comes to the criminal justice system. She goes on to say that Michael, in essence, stood for all the carjackings that had occurred previously, and he bared the full responsibility of all the previous crimes. The U.S. made sure to be strict and give out harsher sentences to deter others from committing crimes. Yeah, so like much like the crime control model, they wanted to suppress and control the criminal justice like the criminal behavior instead of the actual individual. So they didn't really care about the individual themselves. It was more about punishing the crime and then like letting the system run through it. The U.S. basically wanted to make someone pay. You know, yeah, they yeah. wanted to hold someone responsible for, you know, the crimes committed. Yeah. Another thing that I personally saw was like isolation, which is which pertains to like mostly Michael, that he discovered. This is like from page sixty three. Something that I found that had to be quoted said Michael had discovered that one of the best ways to get through the endless stretches of time in prison was to isolate himself in his bunk and to listen to his radio to classical music. This was not something that he did with other inmates, but it was more of a privacy activity that he did. So much like myself, like, I don't know if you guys do that, but whenever I get mad or I get pissed or I do something, like, I like to isolate myself from, like, anything. Even if I have my phone or something, like, I like putting it away. I don't like being with other people, like, in other contexts because it just gets so annoying being with the world. So I just isolate myself and I don't want to talk to anybody. I feel like that's how Michael was too. Like, he got his own space and it. And he started to meditate as well. Yeah. And then he also, just the way that his, when everything came out, his family didn't even know who he was. His mother even announced at the funeral that if there were 
if there was anybody with kids that she'd be willing to help take care of them and she didn't even know like, yeah because she didn't of... know like like if he slept around like he slept around so yeah, we don't know much about it just goes to show that like how much your family actually knows you or not when it comes to the criminal justice system there are three components we know that there's policing the courts and the corrections corrections um what can you tell me about policing Jessica so in policing it's like the first contact um uh, in my case yeah. The cops came to my house like last week, dude. Yeah, because they, cause they got uh, one of my sister's boyfriend, he got pissed because someone threatened him or assaulted him. So they brought him, um, he called the police, and then like the first thing the police does is like they tell you, and like, okay, what's going on? What? Like they just try to investigate what's going on. And I mean, their job is to make you like confess. So with him, it was just telling him like what was the details, how the guy, because the guy came into our house. And he started, he grabbed my sister's boyfriend and he like pulled him against our fence. And our fence has like um, arrows. So it was like dangerous for him too. But I mean, he wasn't the one tried. But in Alan's case, like in page 65, it says that Alan stated that he understood his rights and he waived his rights. Um, a couple, I mean, like years later, I mean, ago, the Miranda's rights came to be. And the, right, the Miranda rights were that you had the right to remain silent until, um, and anything you say can and will be used in a court of law. So how it was that the cops went to the other guy's house and was like, okay, do like what, what was going on, blah, 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 like what were you doing? But if it was like in a different case, if he would have like pulled out her gun or something, like he would have been arrested and be like, okay, dude, like you have the right to remain silent. Anything you can say will, can and will be used to you and again in the court of law. And that was towards Michael. But I mean, you guys have to understand he was like 15 years old. So he didn't really know what was going on. So yeah, I think basically like their job in the book, like, it was the po- the police officer's, like, job to persuade Michael to talk. Mm-hmm. But, like, Michael didn't know any better. So he just, like, he he thought they were trustworthy. And he's like, you know what? Like, they're probably here to help me. But And yeah. in a way, it wasn't fair because Michael was a minor. He was an un- unaccompanied minor. Mm-hmm. And he confessed while he was in his hos- in the hospital bed shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it was a guy. I mean, if I was shot, like, I wouldn't be thinking, like, oh, I know my rights. Like, I would just, like, you know what, like, just confess everything out. And, like, you usually think that police is there to take care of you or, like... Trustworthy. Yeah, yeah. trustworthy. But in that case, like, if you're shot and you're in a bed, like, you're not going to be, like, oh, shoot, like, I should stay silent. Especially if you're 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, the second component of the criminal justice system includes the courts. They're the ones who determined that Michael would be tried as an adult. And they're the ones that also um, offered Michael the plea deal. And it was basically, they begged him to take the plea deal. Mm-hmm. Because the judge was like, please, please take the plea deal. Or you can stand trial and face 25 to life. So it was no no contest right there. They, they were going to choose the plea deal. Yeah, especially if you're, like, 15 years old and just, like, okay, you guys want to, like, take the sentence. It's, like, how much do you have? 11 years? Uh, they actually didn't even say, like, the lesser sentence. They didn't even mention oh, yeah, that yeah, in yeah. the book. And then they the mom said, was just praying how that it was, like, seven years, hopefully. Yeah. And then, like, he'll get off the hook. But they didn't actually even tell him yeah, how less know. the sentence would be. They just let him know that it would be a reduced sentence. That's mm-hmm. As compared <laughs> to 25 to life. So, obviously, you're going to take a reduced sentence. And then, in a way... For the courts, it's cheaper this way. If they have 
well, criminals or defendants mm-hmm. um, taking plea deals, it's cheaper for them. Then they can just close the case and move on to the next. It's, yeah, yeah. It's easier for them to make them take the plea deal. Yeah, it basically takes like a workload off of the, the justice system's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And for the corrections in this book, uh, the corrections in this book was basically the parole officer. We didn't really get to know much about the parole officer, but... The parole officer's job is basically there. Is basically they're basically there to monitor and supervise and make sure that the that the ex con does not get into trouble. Mm-hmm. And Don't in, you have to like pay them or something? Yeah, in the plea we in the plea from PBS we learned that like the defendants, it's their responsibility to pay their parole officers and like further fines. And then in the book, it's also mentioned how Danielle Danielle basically mentions that after the parole office, they would go to the bank. Dang. So that yeah so. From seeing the parole officer, they would go to the bank. I don't have money. <laughs> so how do all three components work together? So the first thing, you do the crime, and you get caught, you get arrested. Yeah, and then afterwards, the court determines your sentence if you're guilty or not. And then with corrections, it's their job to carry out the punishment. So Michael was sentenced to 16 years in, or 16 years and 6 months, and then he served 12, and he was out but he was not completely out of the system he actually was still doing parole and then that's why he ended up going to jail the second time because of a parole violation yeah so he basically he wasn't completely out of the system because he still had to he still had to like report himself report right? himself to the parole officer hmm. so how do you guys think deviance played a role in michael's life so looking at primary deviance we see that michael was a straight a student and then with everything going on around him, the environment that he lived in, all the gang activity, you know, blood versus crypts, mm-hmm. we we saw that his demeanor changed. His grades dropped and he started hanging out with the wrong people. So he started being deviant in when he stole the $10 and he stole the radio from his neighbors. And then that was small deviance, right? And then mm-hmm. it evolved to secondary deviance where there were more serious repercussions. That was his attempted carjacking and then selling drugs after. Do you think Michael was a product of his environment? Yeah, I think like anybody, it's a product of where you lived. So like in Michael's case, his mom moved him out a lot. And most of the time, like his sister was in another state and he was in a, like with his mom usually. It says that she used to do it just because of for their own good, but in the end of that, that ended up messing them up more. A saying goes that you tell me who you hang out with, and I'll tell you who you are. Another thing is you think the way that you were taught, meaning that, like in Michael's case, he didn't really have someone to rely on, so he went out on the streets and he ended up in a bad situation. Like in the book, it stated that the only way he could have avoided some, like anybody in that time could have avoided trouble was just staying at home. But even that gets boring and it leads to um, that people need human interaction. I feel like in the future, that's what affected him. And I feel like this relates into the labeling labeling theory. Mm-hmm. He was basically labeled a criminal. So every time he had to go fill out a work application, he had to check that box that he was, that he was held accountable for a crime. And he had to explain his story for everything. Mm-hmm. So when he wanted to get the apartment, he had to explain his story. And then when he wanted to get a job, he had to explain the story. Yeah. So it came to the point where Danielle and Michael basically practiced explaining his story over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then this, I feel like this led to like the self-fulfilling prophecy that even after the support of Danielle, he quit school, his job, 
and he started to lose like the light in his eye after his second time getting arrested and he like he no longer had hope you know he quit everything and he felt like he couldn't amount to anything so he ended up becoming something he didn't want to become you know basically a criminal yeah so like in his case it's when like well he was like 15 right when he was like in jail so they sent him to um prison and then it's just like all right you're 15 year old they're gonna try you as an adult and then he spent most of his life right there so once he got out it's just like yeah, like, well, he was already now? labeled that. Yeah. He was already labeled as a criminal, so he's just like, well, might as well, like, live up to it. Like, unconsciously. Yeah. Like, he was thinking, like, okay, I can't do this because I was already, like, in jail. Yeah. I can't do this because, like, even when he was, like, in jail, like, um, what's her name? Danielle. She gave him the resources for him to be educated. Yeah. And in the end, he's just like, like, I can't live up to it. Like, I can't do it. Yeah. So, in the end, what character do you guys relate to most and why? I think I relate a lot to Danielle. I mean, I'm not that smart or, like, scholarly. And, but I think her personality really, like, outshines how my persona is. Because, I mean, recently I've been getting, like, job offers because I did work in the school. And then I started working at Amazon. And then I started working at the job I have here. So people already saw that I was, like, resourceful. And I didn't really change from job to job. I always finished my task. But, like, Danielle, like, she... I mean, in her case, she had a lot of money. I don't really have much, but whatever I have, like, I give to my family. If my sisters are in a tough situation, like, I'll give it to them. Um, recently, I bought a laptop. I'm going to buy my older sister a laptop. She doesn't know about it, but I want to surprise her for her birthday for that. Um, but it's like, whenever someone needs money in my family, like, I'll go for it. I can't really relate to Danielle when she gave it to all, like, most of her time to her cuz. Because in my case, none of my family has gone to jail. So I can't really say like, oh yeah, I relate to Danielle because of blah, 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 blah. But it's more of like her, yeah, like I care. Like her personality is just like mine. Mm -hmm. Like whatever she did to help her cuz, like it's the same thing, like the same drive I would do to take care of my sisters. And you? Um, I totally agree with you. I think that Danielle was so loving to her cousin. Mm -hmm. They grew up together and they just lived completely different lives. Like, and Danielle was also older, so mm -hmm. that that also explains why she had like a motherly mm -hmm. view towards yeah. Michael. And then she did her best to help him succeed, and she couldn't. And yeah. she wasn't like she didn't feel bad about it because she knew she knew she tried her best. And she didn't have children of her own either, huh? She did. Towards the end, she has. She mentioned she has a daughter, but that was after. Oh. But yeah, like I said, I I relate to her the most because I feel like. And much like you said, I'm so mm -hmm. giving. Like, if you ha want to borrow $100 and I have $100, <laughs> I'll let you borrow. <laughs> right, give me some. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, like, just the way she just went out of her way to help yeah. him. Like, I feel like I would do that for my younger cousins mm -hmm. and for my younger siblings. I would, I would do that, go out of my way to try to help them out no matter what. No matter what they've done, like, if they've killed, if they try to... So yeah, guys, it's like it's, it's it's your family, so you take care of them, like mm -hmm. no matter what's going on. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. What Eileen, do you think? Less points. Uh, I feel like this book really hit home, sort of, because like I feel that I relate more to Rosalind, Michael's sister, because yeah. like I had a drug addict brother, and like I had a like I was basically a bystander to mm -hmm. all the like crime and like things that would go on at home. We weren't really aware where he was much much of the time, but we were aware of like the trouble he'd get in. Okay. So like. That really hit home, so I feel like I relate more to her because we had to experience that hand-to-hand, -hand, you know, having to, to those struggles and, like, 
having to help him in a way, but not really helping him. More of like knowing. Are you understanding? Understanding what he was going through. So sort of like a bystander. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We've made some really good points. On the criminal justice system, deviants, and who we relate most to. Okay, this has been Jessica. Yesenia. And Eileen. See you next time. Bye! Bye. <laughs>